Welcome back to the Evidence for Faith courses with Michael Lane, brought to you by our wonderful donors at evidenceforfaith.org. You can help us produce the next course by becoming a donor at evidenceforfaith.org give. That's evidence, the number four, faith.org give. And while you're on the website, don't forget to check out some of our other courses and even live events and adventure trips we have going on, such as our marine biology trip down in the Florida Keys, or even our biblical archaeology experience down in Israel. You can find all these links and even more information down in the description. And if you've enjoyed today's course, don't forget to share it with a friend. Hello and welcome to Evidence for Faith. It is your host, Michael Lane, and I am so glad you're back with us as we continue in our study on why there's so many different translations. And today we're doing number 17 of our list of 20 different translations of the, I don't know, I just came across a paper just a few minutes ago um, that listed over 450 different translations of the Bible. And I was like, holy cow, that's a lot. And that's why I guess people are so puzzled, um, critics in particular, and non-believers, why do you have so many versions of the Word of God? Well, today we're going to be looking at what's called the Contemporary English Version, commonly called the CEV, and we're going to take a look at this very unique and interesting version as we get into it. So, as we begin, as we always do, we're, we've been starting with Psalm 23. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, before I, I say anything else, this is a version, a, a translation that is extremely low reading level. It's written on a grade four, grade four. So that's, you know, like about a seventh, uh, seven year old or so. So this is really, um, really low level, seven, eight year old reading level here, grade four in the American school system. And it is very easy to understand. So you're going to notice as I read even Psalm 23, I'm going to read it the way it's it's in my my copy here, and um, it's it's very short phrased because a low read, readability level means the sentences are not very long. So here we are. This is Psalm 23 out of the contemporary English version, the Good Shepherd. You, Lord, are my shepherd. I will never be in need. You let me rest in fields of green grass. You lead me to streams of peaceful water, and you refresh my life. You are true to your name, and you lead me along the right paths. I may walk through valleys as dark as death, but I won't be afraid. You are with me, and your shepherd's rod makes me feel safe. You treat me to a feast while my enemies watch. You honor me as your guest, and you fill my cup until it overflows. Your kindness and love will always be with me each day of my life, and I will live forever in your house, Lord. So as you take a look uh, or listen to that one, or if you're looking online or something, some people I know are probably downloading uh, a version from Gateway or Bible Hub or some uh, logos or something and watch or reading along with some of these passages I know or some people have these translations and as you read this one if, if you are not familiar with it that one is a little different 
I mean, how easy to understand uh, and be able to read, which is the key thing about this translation. This translation is a newer one. It's 1995 is when it was finally uh, published by the um, the uh, um, oh, uh, American Bible Society. I couldn't think of it off the top of my head. The American Bible Society. They put out a couple of different Bibles, and this is one that they, they put out, and they also put out some Bibles that are specialty Bibles for, like, disasters and stuff. They're well known for, for such things like that. And they published this one in 19, or 1995, so it's a, a recent publication. Um, the type of translation, well, the CEV is dynamic, or a thought-for-thought -thought translation. But there's more to this as you're going to get into uh, this lesson today with me. It took about, uh, about around 100 scholars and pastors work to develop this translation. A, and this is a valid translation. It's not technically a paraphrase, though some Bible scholars, and if you go and you research this on the website, you will see some of them calling this um, this translation not a real translation. They call it a paraphrase or they call it a uh, some cases they were calling it um, some some critics call it a, uh, a commentary but actually technically it is a translation because it was done by a committee of scholars putting things together on this um, and it, they did not use as many sources um, very few sources actually to put this together uh, even so, it is a dynamic or thought for thought. Um, it is really extreme. It is, it is on the, if you put the spectrum of all the different translations on a line, starting with the formal, um, like the New American Standard, which is a very word for word translation, the ESV right there, um, New King James, not too far away. And you get sort of an away from that, you get to the optimum. There's where we found like the God's Word translation. Um, and you keep going, um, moving away from word for word, you get to the dynamic now, and you get to like the NIV, the NLT. You get to the very far spectrum, right at the border of paraphrase. That's where this one generally sits, would be so far over on the extreme. That's why, like I say, some scholars do not consider this a translation. They consider this a paraphrase or a commentary. But it is, um, it is not a, like uh, Eugene Peterson's or Kenneth Taylor, who wrote the message in the Living Bible, where it was just their interpretation. No, this had more, more than uh, one person doing it. Um, so why did they make something like this? Why is this one, uh, what was the purpose of making this? Well, it goes back to 1984. In 1984, there was a Bible scholar. His name was Dr. Barclay Newman. And he noticed that um, and started studying about how children, in particular children, how they read and how they hear English and in school with just reading books, watching television, um, reading magazines, whatever, you know, any type of things, comic books, whatever. He, would, he was studying and reading studies on how children actually read and hear English. And he started thinking that we need a translation for that type of person. Also, for people who are um, not, uh, that English is not their, their native language, like people who um, 
who have migrated to the United States and they don't speak very well English. Uh, very well English. <laughs> Sounds like I'm one of them. And they don't speak very accurate English, or they have trouble understanding English. Um, people like that, that English is not uh, their first language, is maybe second or third language. He says, we need something for the kids and for these kind of adults. That's where the idea came from, to begin to have a new translation for such people. And that was in 1984 that he started working on this. And it took almost 10 years. It was 1995 before this contemporary English version was published through the United Bible Society. And what they used for it was the United Bible Society, um, or the American Bible Society, is what it was published through. But the United Bible Society actually has their own Greek New Testament, ancient copy um, of an ancient Greek text. And that is the one that was used. We haven't mentioned this too often because it hasn't been used um, as such a sole source as as this one was. Uh, it's sometimes just abbreviated to UBSGNT, United Bible Society's Greek New Testament. This was the sole um, primary manuscript that they used in putting this together. Now, what? that's how it was put together. So it was translated, since we're talking about how it was translated, the American Bible Society produced this, um, um, this Bible, but they first made something else. Before this came out, and we're going to be doing a lesson on this a little bit um, later in, in the future here, there's going to be another Bible we're going to talk about called the Good News um, um Good News translation, and which is, you can still buy it today. It's still a popular version. It's one we'll study. But the American Bible Society produced a series before this, uh, this CEV came out that was called Good News for Modern Man, New Testament. Now, these came out in booklet form first uh, by each book. Uh, this was in the 1960s. In 1966 is when these started coming out. I remember um, I was uh, a child back at that time, and I remember getting, um, it, I don't remember how I got them, but I know I had a couple. I had, um, like, the Book of John, Good News for Modern Man. Then there was the whole New Testament, eventually the Good News for Modern Man, et cetera, et cetera. It was a complete, uh, just the New Testament came out first, but then the Good News translation came out in 1976. Now, the thing is, those were made for, for people. The Good News series was made for, like, seventh grade uh, middle school, junior high, and, and up in the high school. And because it was so different from the King James or Revised Standard, it was really popular among young people in particular. So that was like a grade seven reading level. But as I said, uh, Dr. Newman thought we need something on a lower level. So this popular version that they had, the Good News series, and the whole Bible, the Good News Translation is what it was called. Um, that, was, that was popular with many Protestants in particular. But they really needed to get something. They thought they needed to get something on a lower level. That's the whole purpose and how they translated this. So it was in the 1980s through the 90s then that scholars, and it was a committee of approximately 100 of them uh, overall that worked on this, um, they put together this new version with a really, really low readability. And so people not associated with even the Bible, they didn't really know what the Bible was, or if they weren't familiar with Bible stories, it was something that they could easily understand and comprehend. That's what the CEV was. And as I said, it was published and put together um, in 1995, it became available. And I know that, I know some churches that use this as their primary um, 
their primary uh, Bible that they preach from. I know pastors that do this. I also know a number of pastors that frown on this translation. They don't really like it at all. But let me just tell you about the, some unique features. What's, what's so different about it? Well, the one we've already mentioned, it's the most obvious one. It, it is the easiest reading Bible, complete Bible, just about available today. That's an actual translation, um, not a single-person paraphrase like Peterson uh, with a message or Taylor with uh, the Living Bible. It can be read. This uh, CEB can be read by people with little or no biblical background whatsoever. They could pick up not knowing anything about the Bible, sit down, start reading this, and be able, as long as they can read some English, they can make out parts of this Bible. It's, it is understandable for people of all different types of backgrounds of um, either a little or great in the English language. Uh, if you struggle with the English language or if you know someone struggles, struggles with the English language, this is a Bible they can get and they can read it. it. Also, one unique feature about this is that it it uses positive and simple words to explain meanings, uh, positive words. For instance, uh, I, I probably just confused you. Um, give me an example. It does not use, the CEV does not use the word adultery. Adultery does not appear in this Bible. Instead, it will say being faithful in marriage. That's what they uh, they do. That's what I mean by being positive. Being faithful in marriage is much more positive than saying thou shalt not or you shall not commit adultery because that's a negative uh, phrase in the way that that's put. So this Bible uses examples like that all through it. They, they keep things positive. Um, it also uses gender neutral language for people, humanity and stuff, but not in the case of God. Um, God is always referred to in the masculine. So they're all, those are some use, you know, really interesting things having to do with this translation. But there are some problems with it. I've already mentioned there's some pastors I know and some Bible scholars, they really frown on this, this translation. Some won't even use the word translation. They'll call it a version, but they refrain from using translation. Well, uh, the basic problem is that it is so dynamic, and this is why they have the problem with it. It is so dynamic in its approach that it there is so much, even though it was done by a group of people, there is paraphrasing and there is bias all through this. Now, I've said this so many times in the past. Whenever you do a dynamic translation, NLT, NIV, you are going to get some bias and some paraphrasing in there. You just, because you're taking the words of somebody who is interpreting what they think God is saying, and they're putting it down and saying, this is what I think God is saying here. So there is a personal bias and paraphrase. This one has a lot. Uh, the CEB is loaded with this. Um, in other words, it goes, it really goes far astray in some ways of its translating from what the actual words uh, are meaning. It really moves really far to one side. Um, getting into like paraphrasing sections. So some scholars just consider this uh, almost on the same level as the Living Bible or the Message. As a matter of fact, I've heard some pastors actually group the three of them together, though I personally think that's stretching things a mite because the Message and the Living Bible were done by individuals. This did have a committee um, that worked on this, and uh, it was not the sole work of Dr. Barclay Newman. 
there were many others that worked together on this. So I think that's going a little bit too far to group it in that type of a paraphrase or message, but I understand why they say that. Now, we've been looking at Titus chapter 2, 11 through 13 as the doctrinal statement uh, to, of comparison besides the Psalm 23 at the beginning, but this one is the doctrinal thing. This is so important. So let me read it to you out of the CEV. This is Titus 2, 11 through 13, contemporary English version. God has shown us undeserved grace by coming to save all people. He taught us to give up our wicked ways and our worldly desires and to live decent and honest lives in this world. We are filled with hope as we wait for the glorious return of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, when you compare the doctrine here, it doesn't go really that afar uh, away from it. it. It sort of stays with it. It's, it's more of a positive type of a phrasing of some of the, um, the key words in here. And that's what this translation is all about, making it so easy to read. It's, it's very simple. The word, the word usage is extremely simplistic. So, it it's, works very well for lower read, uh, readability. Now, a couple of little comments here as we just wrap this up. Let me just say this first of all. If you're searching for a Bible for very, very young children in, say, like grammar school, um, or if, as I said before, if you know somebody or if you yourself struggle with modern English, trying to understand it, this is a good choice. This is what this Bible was actually made for. This was the purpose of the CEV. It was not made to replace the New American Standard or the English Standard or, you know, even a King James um, for doctrine and, and, and serious Bible study. It was not made for that. This was made to help young children and people who struggle with English, adults that struggle with English, to help them understand the Bible. If you keep that goal that they had, their purpose in mind, this is a good choice. It does not follow the words of the oldest manuscripts. They were did not use money for this, but it does try to make them understandable. And they try to use positive phrases in this. So the sentence structure, as we saw it like in Psalm 23, the sentence structure is short. It is concise. It is easy to understand. So this makes a great read for an early reader. That's the key thing about this. Um, personally, I've been asked sometimes by some others um, when I've traveled, uh, people have come up to me at times and they said, um, is the contemporary English version a really good study Bible? Now, the, let me just give you the background here. The people who have asked me this have been adults that are very fluent in English, or they've been college students that are very educated and being you know, more on the educated realm, having no problem with English. And for those kind of people, I say, you can probably do better with a different translation. And you don't want to use this as your sole translation because its purpose, again, it was made for little children and for people who cannot read English very well. And so I told the people, you, like college people or these adults that I was talking to, and some of them very educated adults. I remember one person talking to that was a, a doctor, a physician. And I said, there are much there are much more trans, uh, many more translations out there that are much uh, more suited for your level of education that you could be using. But if you have children, 
little kids and stuff, this is a, a suitable translation for them to get them started or interested in the Bible. So that's the CEV. And I hope you, uh, you take this one um, seriously with what I said here. And again, a lot of what I'm giving you, I'm giving you historical facts, but I'm also giving you opinions. And so I study and I teach classes on this. And there's so much more I could go into, but we're not making these, you know, like one hour seminars and stuff. But it's not a bad translation if you remember what its purpose is. So thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening. And stay tuned for some more lessons coming up as we get closer to finishing this series of 20 different translations on why are there so many different translations. So until we meet again, take care and may God bless. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to help us produce the next course, you can become a donor at evidenceforfaith.org give. That's evidence, the number four, faith.org give. And don't forget to use some of the other links in our description. You can find out more about Evidence for Faith and what we do as a ministry and even sign up to some of our programs. And if you've enjoyed today's course, don't forget to share it with a friend so they can benefit from it too. And with that, we hope to see you on the next course.